turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of John. We're studying through the very first chapter of this great, great book of the Christian faith. We come to the testimony of John in the first chapter. We're going to be looking at verses 19 through 28 of John chapter 1. Let, let me read the word of God. This is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, Well, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. So they said to him, Who are you? We, we need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now, they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, Then why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. Even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. Dear Heavenly Father, please open your word to us today. Echoing through the centuries is what Jesus said, he who has ears, hear. So Father, give us ears to hear what you are saying to us. Oh Lord, we commit this time to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So it's quite interesting to me how John, who is not the John being spoken of in this little section of scripture, of course, the author of John. It's interesting how he keeps coming back to John the Baptist. This is now his third time of introducing him in the text. And uh, I love, we, we sang, uh, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, which is a translation of a German song by Martin Luther. You probably know. And it, there's a line in that song that said, His truth to triumph without us. Oh, no, no, no. His truth to triumph through us? <laughs> you know, we're feeble, we're frail, we're dust. Uh, we're a man, a pat of butter. And yet God has chosen to work through. Of him, through him, and to him are all things. 
Work out your own salvation, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Great is the mystery of how the infinite creator God creates an entire system that is derived and dependent upon him. He's not exterior to the system. He's the first cause of everything. This is, uh, to me, uh, uh, the most amazing thing ever. And I, I truly, truly believe uh, we're going to spend eternity worshiping God uh, for his great, wondrous works. That's what Psalm 75 said, didn't it? Right at the very beginning, it says, We give thanks to you, O God. We give thanks, for your name is near. We recount your wondrous deeds. So God works through us, through us. And God works through John the Baptizer. Baptizer, John the Baptist. And uh, he's been causing a lot of trouble outside of Jerusalem and actually up north, probably near the Jordan River. Uh, we're possibly going to look at that more next week, the very last verse. Uh, these things took place in Bethany across the Jordan. That's kind of an interesting thing, which we don't have time for today. Uh, but uh, John's been causing a big ruckus. He's getting big crowds. And people are coming out to him in droves and being baptized by him. It's so much so that the leaders of the Jewish faith, the Sanhedrin, the men in power, some of them were Pharisees, not all of them, but they're, they're mentioned in this text because they're the, they're the nitpickers. <laughs> Jesus is going to have a lot of trouble from the Pharisees, right? Throughout the whole story. So he introduces the nemesis uh, here, the troublemaker, uh, troublemakers right away. Well, they're, but they're doing their job. They are given the spiritual responsibility to watch out for the health and safety of the congregation of, of Israel. And there's this guy out there preaching and baptizing, and you know, he didn't come from one of their seminaries. <laughs> He's not a part of their denomination, apparently. Uh, so so they're, they send a crew out. But just, you can almost, I think this is absolutely true, practically 100% true. Every time the commission, the posse, goes out to meet Jesus, or here in this case, John the Baptist, every time they, they come with, you know, sort of seemingly innocent questions like, well, who are you? but their motivation is not to find out who you are. Their motivation was never to find out, now, Jesus, are you really the Messiah? Uh, because we want to stop everything and worship you. Their, their whole motivation was, you're a problem, and we're just looking for a way to get rid of you. We're, we're going to replay your testimony, twist your words, and make people angry at you, right? That's a, that was their game. And here we see it already coming out. But against this backdrop, in this case, we have the, the wonderful testimony of John. And uh, I want to look at it uh, kind of slowly and carefully with us here today. Verse 19, and this is the testimony of John, 
when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? A wonderful question. You can almost hear it in different ways, right? Who are you? I think part of it was, who do you think you are? <laughs> or just who are you? This makes no sense. It's a wonderful, straightforward question. And he confessed and did not deny, but confessed. It's a good biblical word, confessed. Uh, and this is written in Greek. John wrote in Greek. And the Greek word is hama legao. Uh, homo means the same. We, we, in seminary, we always pronounce it hama, uh, just because we're keeping the omicrons and the omegas separate. Okay? Omicron and omega. So hama legao. Legao means to speak. Remember, Jesus is the logos, the word. And so, so this is the biblical definition of confession. It means to say the same. Say the same with what? Well, to say the same thing as God says about your, your situation, about your definition, about your action. If we confess, homo legeo, homo legeo, if we, if we admit it, if we say the same thing that God is saying, and actually if you're a linguist, you know that that's the same root for confessio. It means to say the same thing uh, with a, a Latin root there. And notice how he stresses it here. He confessed and did not deny, but confessed. There's three times the emphasis on this. Uh, they were coming out. Uh, he knew what they wanted to know. We don't have all the conversation here. Uh, did, they, did they say to him, are you the Christ? They might have. Um, but he knew that's what they were looking for. Are you the Christ? And he wouldn't do it. He's straight out, no, I am not the Christ. True confessions. This is the big deal. I am not the Christ. I am not the Christ. There's no misapprehension on John's part about who he is. He has no Messiah complex, right? He, he's not the Savior. He's not the chosen one. See, uh, Christ is actually um, a nice, it's the Greek word for anoint. Messiah is the anglicized version of the Hebrew word to anoint. And, and it, it's a special choosing. They would anoint kings. You know, Samuel would anoint uh, the king. Didn't he choose David the king? Yeah. That's, uh, so David was the Messiah. Uh, he was a Messiah and anointed one. Okay. But the, the, the Messiah in uh, the Hebrew text is the chosen one of God, the one we're all waiting for, the one who will be the deliverer. Are you that one? And he says, no, no, I am not the chosen one. Uh, avoid the temptation of thinking too highly of yourself. Avoid the temptation of thinking too highly of yourself. This is a great Christian tradition, and you know, if you're sensitive to this, God will give you plenty of reminders, <laughs> okay? <laughs> Let's ramp up our sensitivity to the reminders, like 
you'll release the kids four minutes before you're supposed to. <laughs> and you'll feel really silly. <laughs> and that's a good thing to not to do this every week, but every once in a while to just have your pride checked. Uh, the Holy Word of God. Paul, Paul was great at this. You know, Paul, Paul would run around and say, hey, Christ died for sinners. By the way, I'm the worst sinner. You know, uh, that was his confession. It's in 1 Timothy. But here's uh, Romans 12:3 again from the writings of Paul. He says, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So John the Baptist has his head uh, screwed on properly. I am not the Christ. I'm avoiding the temptation to think more highly of myself. I, I'm not believing in myself. This is a wonderful Christian message. What is the gospel? Don't believe in yourself. <laughs> Don't listen to Disney. Disney's leading you in the wrong direction. You're not the Savior. Uh, the greatest love of all is not learning how to love yourself. Okay. The, the greatest love of all is learning to humble yourself before God and love Him. Who's, who's worthy? Only Him. He's worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our trust. Um, so we, we have confidence in him. And this will be the theme of John's life. He, he would say at one point, right, he must increase, but I must decrease. Don't believe in yourself. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. This is a great contrast with Christ himself, by the way. When somebody came up to him and said, who are you? Uh, it's the same exact word who are you, words in John 8, 25. So they said to him, who are you? Jesus said to him, just what I have been telling you from the beginning. And here in uh, Matthew 16, 16, Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Now, if Jesus was not the Christ, you see, he should have said, no, 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 no. I'm not the Christ. Don't worship me. But he, he, he received their worship. One of the most strategic points in, in uh, the life and history of Jesus was after the resurrection. Thomas doubted him, right? He said, unless I can see him and put my hand in the wound in his side, um, I won't believe in him. And then, then Jesus appeared to him. And he comes to him and he bows down and he says, my Lord and my God, to Jesus. And Jesus, if he wasn't the Lord and God, this is blasphemy. But he is the Lord. He is the Christ. So there's a great contrast here between John the Baptist and Jesus Christ himself. Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah. True confessions more on this. And then he says, I'm not Elijah. Now, this is really interesting. Now, what is this Elijah business? Well, if you turn in your Bible to the, you, you know, you, the New Testament starts with Matthew. And if you go one book before it, it's the very last book in the Old Testament. And you've just flipped 
that one page represents 400 years of silence between the Testaments. But you go into Malachi, you get this, this interesting prophecy right before uh, the end of the book of Malachi. Chapter 4, verse 5 says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. So that's the last words of the Old Testament. Elijah's coming, and he's going to call people to repentance. He's going to call people to turn their hearts back to where they should be, the hearts of fathers to their children. You know, is that a message we need today? You know, how many fathers abandon their children? Eh? It's a huge societal issue, horrible problem. Uh, this is the basic level of repentance that Elijah would bring hearts of the fathers to the children and hearts of the children to their fathers unless they come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. So they have that echoing in their ears and here's this guy, John, out in the wilderness doing all this repentance teaching. Turn back to God. Turn back to God. Come and show your sincerity by being baptized. You want a total change. And he's getting huge popularity and they say, are you Elijah? Now, the interesting thing is, he says no. But strangely, he was Elijah, if you will. <laughs> and this is what, what I say to that. This is from um, Jesus. Uh, to, I'm going to read a couple of references of what Jesus said later on. See, this is very, very early. Jesus hasn't come on the scene yet. Uh, later on, uh, like a year later, or even, even later, and, and some of this might be post-mortem from John's point of view. In other words, John's dead. But this is what uh, Jesus said in Mark 9. He says, and he asked him, why do the scribes say that first Elijah must come? And he said to them, Elijah does come first to restore all things. This is the word of Jesus. And how is it written that the Son of Man... And how is it written of the Son of Man that he should suffer many things and be treated with contempt? But I tell you that Elijah has come. And they did to him whatever they pleased as it is written of him. Okay, definitely post-mortem. Meaning they killed John, they cut his head off in a really disgusting scene of seduction and sensuality um, and really sad. They killed this 32-year-old guy, uh, John the Baptist. But Jesus says he was Elijah. He has come. And now how about Matthew 17, 11? He answered, Elijah does come and he will restore all things. But I tell you that Elijah has already come. This is Jesus. And they did not recognize him, but did to him whatever they pleased. So also the Son of Man will certainly suffer at their hands. So what's the point of this? Isn't this interesting? He says, no. It's a very simple uh, word. Nope, not Elijah. Not going there. You're not getting me there. 
No, but strangely, he was Elijah. So what do we take from this? Well, honestly, in one sense, it's fair to say that John was wrong. It records, the Bible's accurate, it records him totally accurately, but when he said no, he's wrong, okay? Well, because Jesus later on said he was Elijah, okay? So where do we get from this? It's kind of cool. Well, guess what? We do not need to know who we are. <laughs> it's okay if we don't know exactly who we are. He's not waiting around for self-discovery and then I'll start doing what God called me to do. He's not going to go around and take a hundred tests on my spiritual gifts. Then I'll decide what God wants me to do. You know, when, you know Pastor, when I decide what my gift is, then I'll, uh, I'll start serving the Lord. <laughs> I'm still trying to discover myself. Who, who am I after all? Who cares who you are? Right? Just get to work. Do what God has called you to do. Who you are doesn't really matter. Let God tell you who you are later on. <laughs> He's going to, wow, I was Elijah. That was really cool. <laughs> I thought I wasn't. He, he's not the literal Elijah, right? There, I, I, I think it's fair to say they're, they're well, okay, I'm not going to say that. I don't know. Maybe literal Elijah will come back someday. I don't know. He did come back on the Mount of Transfiguration. Then maybe he'll come on in the last time before the Messiah comes, I'm certainly not going to tell God he can't do that. But in this case, he's not the literal uh, uh, Elijah. So John's right on that count. But he is a metaphorical Elijah. And I think that's kind of cool. It's okay if we haven't exactly discovered who we are. And that's no excuse to not do what God has put before you to do.